Um, it gives a little bit of like vision for um, kind of uh, a little bit of our disposition for formation committee this year. Kind of committee proposed it to you guys. Uh, and then a little bit of like about the and then we're going to break up this to talk about it and then worship. Cool? Yes, I'm okay. Yes. So um, before I do that, um, something I do sometimes before we talk, I tell a little story about the kids. And uh, <laughs> it sometimes it ties in, actually like twice it's maybe tied in. Most times it doesn't tie in at all. But it's really entertaining. So, um, you guys ever been like a splash pad before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are, they're like, they're like, it's like, you know, I don't know, like, it's a splash pad. Yeah, it's like, you go to the summer, it's fun, it's fun. It's fun. And it's uh, important to notice that um, Lucy, that's where they was baptized, like, like a month ago or something like that. Yeah, no, was, no more big spaces. So we went to that baptism. Um, and so baptisms on no one's mind. So as the kids are playing in the splash pad, which the other one was easy, um, Anna, my wife, kind of turns around and witnesses Rowan with like a big bucket of water walk over to Cece and like dump it on her head. And he says, Body of Christ. <laughs> so we got sacraments mixed up. We kind of got some of the basic ideas there. So, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> okay, older brother trying to serve his little sister. Um, great, so <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, so I'll start with this. So I, this was like, say a couple years ago, I was listening to this podcast um, called the Jocko Podcast. Who knows to do it? Um, this guy's kind of, he's like this like rough and tumble Navy SEAL. He has like this kind of typical Navy SEAL voice. Lick it, lick it, lick it. Yeah, talk. Your lips. <laughs> 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 I listen to him all the time. I listen to him one day, and he said something that kind of caught my attention. He was like, he uh, he like paused as he was saying something. He was like, I can help almost anyone in like any area of life. And he said that. And for some reason, it kind of stuck out. He said, oh, you help almost anyone. My first thought was like, oh, I guess some people like aren't smart enough or capable enough or whatever enough. And then he stopped. He was like. Do you know why I say almost? I'm not like, no, John, but tell me. And he was like, I say almost because there's one group of people I can't help. And it's those people who already think they know. And I was like, dang it. I was just that person. <laughs> I already thought I knew the answer. I didn't. So that really stuck out to me as like, um, it wasn't a matter of confidence or intelligence or even like, it was more a matter of like, want to. Or you could say even like, it was a matter of humility, right? Of actually coming and wanting to learn. So here's a hot take. You guys ready for my hot take? Yeah. Yeah. Right, you might not like that after say this. Um, I would say that in the same way, many of us, especially here in this room, myself included, uh, can sometimes think more than we actually do. Is that a hot take or probably? So that us in this room, myself included, we can be tempted and oftentimes do think we know more than we actually do. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So, I just, 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 but he was saying something to me, and I loved it. He was like, John, you know you're not as cool as you think you are. And it didn't like pitch me, I like loved it. I like, it like tickled me. I was like, yes, thank you. I don't know why, why, I was thought, like, why did I love that so much? One, was just kind of him, he's a good buddy. But two, I think it was just like a breath of fresh air. It was true. It was like a little bit of truth injected into my like 
narcissism in like my own little high school world. And I was like, yes, it was like moving in a way. So in the same way, like when we remind ourselves, right, the truth will set us free, when we know like we actually don't know as much as we think we do about Jesus, right? You actually aren't as good of a Christian as you think you are. It's not accusatory. That's supposed to actually set you free. I'm going to get into why I said The Jew, myself, all of us in the room, sometimes we, we, we think of ourselves higher than we actually are. We're actually not as good Christians as we think you are. And if we embrace that, we actually become set free. All right, why is that? Um, the reason, because, because coming off as a good Christian, like looking like a good Christian, sort of like appearing as a good Christian, is not the point. It's actually not the point to look like a good Christian. The point is to yeah, be a good Christian. And like, they're related, but not the same thing, right? Related, but not the same thing. Um, you guys, who here has seen the movie Only the Brave? Um, it's the movie. It was an incredible movie. It's about the, uh, what they call it, the Grand Mountain Hotshots. So what hotshots are is these people who are, they train really hard, and they actually they train firemen, they fight wildfires. And then the guys who actually like parachute in to like wildfires, into like extremely dangerous areas, these wildfires can go so fast, it's so unpredictable. And they actually like dig lines and cut down trees and basically make like, like um, areas where the fires will like die out because you have people like wildfires being contained. You know, that's because these guys are all around the fire, like making containment areas. So these hot shops are the ones who are close to the line, close to the fire, and in the most danger. And these guys, they're, they're um, bona fide badasses. They are the real deal. But they had, they had a motto, um, a slogan for their unit. Anyone know what it is? Have you seen the movie? Okay, I, mean, I don't think they made a big deal in the movie, but it's, uh, it's Latin, so that's cool, right? All right. Um, not that Catholics have trademark on Latin, but it is cool. Um, it's Essay Quam the Dare. You guys know? You know what that means? No. Should you guys? Yeah, to be rather than to see it. Yeah. Or to be rather than to appear. I love that. To be rather than to appear. Because how many things in our life can we see that are shiny, that are new, that are great, that say made and shine on them, that are shipped to us, that are just actually pieces of crap? Right? Or how many people do we meet that seem so great on the outside? They have it all together. Man, a person that's, that's a hero. But then they're like, you find out they're like a big fall from grace. Right? How many people in life have let us down? They can be like actors, politicians, public figures, sports figures, whatever. People just let us down. It seemed like, man, that's not here. I know for me, my, one of my first big ones in my life was Tiger Woods. Like, if you guys probably a little bit too remember, but that guy was like the pinnacle of all what it meant to be a man. He was like squeaky clean. He like, he was, you know, this like guy of color who like broke into golf, which is like a bunch of old white guys. And like, everyone loved him. Impeccable character. One day, like, there's a car inside his house and his whole life crumbles. And you're just like, what happened? It was like, it was a jar. Because again, like, what, like, what he appeared to be was not actually who he was. And it, and it damaged us, right? Like, inside of us, we just know how wrong that is. When, thing, when the inside is not sure about the outside, there's like, there's a, uh, there's like a revulsion in us. So, example time. Um, let me use a sport, golf. It's what we all basically understand. You know, golf, you take the stick, you hit the ball, and you put the ball in the hole, right? It's, it's, that's what you do in golf. And if you're wrong, you're on the left side, like Miles does. Um, everyone's good for the right side. Um, so, the analogy is, is, is like the Christian life, right? So, think about it this way. Like, if you just started playing golf today, 
and you have the aspirations of being really good. Um, you wouldn't like go out there like on your third or fourth time and expect to like be shooting really well, like keeping up with people who play all the time, right? You would know you're going to be bad. What if you're playing that for a couple of years? You know, if you're playing golf for a couple of years, you're not in like the PGA Tour. You're not like one of the best of the best. You're like still hacking around trying to like shoot lower than 100. We guys in the PGA Tour are shooting the 60s, right? It's way better. So, same with us in the Christian Mike. Some of us like been following the Lord for like what, like two, three, four, maybe five years if you're like really good. So sometimes we think that like we should already have our Christian, like we should be on the Christian PGA Tour by now. Like I got things figured out. I did four years of care as a youth group. So she taught me everything I know. I am like, yeah, at least, shout out to Lisa, man. Only two, okay, only two. So you're way behind me. Uh, so, <laughs> so, right? But like, we, we kind of had those thoughts and I'm like, man, like, I did, I've done, I kind of know what it means to be a Christian. And we're so off. Like, the same way you start a new sport, any new adventure, if you're like three or four years in, you're just still on the very bottom line. And that should be a freeing thought to us. Like, man, I don't have to have it all together. Um, that's not where I'm supposed to be right now. So, that to be rather than to appear, I had some kind of contrast here. To be a good golfer means you love the game. And over years, you practice a repetition, you build a strong and repeatable swing, and you hone all areas of the game. That's what it means to be a good golfer. To appear to be a good golfer means you have all the most expensive clubs, you wear all the coolest golf polos, you follow all the golf social media people, and you talk about it like you're some kind of pro, like you've been there, but in reality, you just suck at golf. Right, that's what it means to appear to be a good golfer. We all know those people maybe in life, or stuff like that. Um, to be a good Christian, what does it mean to be a good Christian? It means you understand how great God is and how puny and small compared to what you are. Right? It means you know that you were born and you need the Lord's grace to work in your life. It means you're motivated by the love of God and not trying to impress other people. And you live a life dedicated to living each moment and filling it with love that you receive from the Lord. What does it mean to be a good Christian? What does it mean to appear to be a good Christian? Well, we mean lots of things I propose. It means you kind of know all like, the cool kind of lingo, Christian stuff, what to say. You focus really hard to make sure you look super holy and do all the right things and make sure you, like, people see you doing them. It means you work tirelessly, tirelessly, make sure you have all the answers and you never look like you don't have all the answers. And you gauge your holiness with how you feel and you judge your successes by how other people praise you, or laud you, or notice them. That's what it means to appear to be a good Christian. But here, the thing is, it's uncomfortable for us to admit that we don't have it all together. Because you all are at, um, at around Ohio State University, a very strong university. None of you are unintelligent. None of you are at the bottom of your high school class. You're all high achievers. So your whole life kind of felt this pressure I could be so bold to say, that you kind of need to like lead the pack. You need to be up front. You need to show people. You need to be the person. You need to be the leader. So there's this kind of subconscious pressure we put on ourselves and we have to have it all together. But that is, if you act like you have it all together and you can't admit yourself you don't, then Jesus can't work in your life. If you admit that you, if you think that you have to have it all together and you act that way, and you don't admit that you are actually poor and you need God's grace, and you're, something, you're, you're basically a mess, and God can't work in your life. So Jesus actually talks about this. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What's funny about this verse, I'll read it again. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What Jesus is saying, he's saying it tongue-in-cheek, because he knows that there is no human being apart from him 
that is righteous, that is well. He's kind of talking, he's like playing to our egos here. He's like, hey, if you got all together, you don't need me. You got it, apparently. You know, you're doing great. But in actuality, they're not. Because without Jesus, we got nothing, right? We don't have the word, we don't have the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So what he's saying here, he's saying like, hey, it only the sick people can come in. I came for the sick. So where are my sick people at? You know, that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Here. Yeah, amen. Raise it high. Raise it probably. Because we don't have it all together. And think about evangelization. Like, if we go on campus being like, yo, I got it together. Who else wants it all together? That's, that, who's that going to attract? That's, that's not the strap. Um, so, in, in our lives, um, if we think that God needs us to be perfect, this is another kind of piece here. Sometimes we actually think in Christianity, things up on the way. Maybe, like, this comes from parents sometimes. And I'm a parent, so I'm very sensitive to this. Sometimes you like, when my kids do good things, I like to give them more attention. Sometimes you think in your life, like, man, if I do good things for God, he'll give me more attention. Man, if I just like get my stuff together, then God can love me more. Man, if I just like start a prayer life and do this thing, then God can break through. But if I like, man, God will start loving me when I start going on mission more. God will love me when I stop getting so angry at this. God will love me when I stop looking at porn so much. God will love me when I start like stop thinking about myself so much. We kind of have these like conditions on God's love. We kind of think that, okay, once I get to this point, then God can love me. That is completely and unequivocally untrue. Because God, the Father loves you right now, period. No matter what you do, no matter even good or bad, it does not change the Father's love for you, which is total and complete and mind-blowing. Right? So our modern problem here is that oftentimes we fall into a trap that everything's kind of me-centered. Right? It's kind of about me. And our worldview and our vision, because of that, because it's just me, and I am so small, think about the universe. You do that in prayer times. You kind of see how small you are. But like, you are just one person, and you matter immensely to God, but you are just one person in a massive world, which is like a tiny, an unfathomable speck in the universe. Right? But and our, and because we kind of put ourselves as the center of our attention, our vision and, and our way we look at things is, is, is so small. But the reality is we are small and God is great. Objective fact, right? Um, and the point for us right now is the truth. And when we stand in the truth, the truth is set you free. So to pretend to, to be and not to appear. Amen? Um, so I think that why we figure, why we have to figure, get life figured out sometimes. There's a subconscious thought we have, maybe conscious. It's that we think there is some there out there. We think that there is some there out there. We think that there's some there out there. What do I mean? There's some place or place in my life that I'll get to when like everything will make sense. Like, ah, finally. Like the secrets of life unveiled to me. Like now I can live in peace. Now I know. So this is kind of a funny story. So um, Roland just turned four two years ago. Another one of two years, two years apart. It's pretty fun. Um, and the birthday in the middle is Kara. Shout out Kara Day. August yeah. oh, yeah. was a birthday yesterday. Um, so he was pumped. Roland was very pumped to turn four. And Anna asked him about it. And he was like talking about how excited he was. And he got kind of sad. And she was like, what's going on? He's like, he's like four now. He's like, well, I thought I would be a fireman by now. He's not like, when he turns four, that's when, that's when it clicks and you're going to be a fireman, which is like his greatest desire. We laugh. It's actually the same with us sometimes. We're like, man, when I become a senior, I'm going to know life's secrets. 
Then, okay, then, when I get a job, then my life will have purpose and meaning, and then I'll be able to live it out. How do I get enough? Okay, once I make $100,000, then I'll stop worrying about money, and then I'll be free to serve and do my life. Okay, no, no, it's, it's when I get married. When I get married, finally my life will make more sense, and then I'll have a purpose, and like, it'll be so happy and joyful, and I'll love this personal time because great. Okay, no, no, it's when we have my first kid, then life will be meaningful and good, and like God will show me what it means to be a son or daughter. Okay, no, no, it's when I have these kids and get older and do stuff. No, it's, it's vacations, no, it's just retirement. It's like, you see how it's like, it's, 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 it's fickle. You know? It, it never ends. There is no there out there, brothers and sisters, where you come to a point in life that makes sense perfectly. Now, there is an unveiling of God's love in our life. There is a constant growth in this world that we will never be to a point where we are free of sin completely. On this side of heaven, right? We're with the Lord forever, yes, that's what happens. We're with him forever, we're free of all sin, we're spotless and clean. But as on this earth, we can grow in freedom from sin, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop coming for us, right? The patients don't go away. It doesn't get easier the older you get, right? But you do become more free. You see what I'm saying here? There's like, there's goodness, there's truth, there's beauty to be like discovered and unfolded in our life. But there is no destination or point. I think it happens a lot in people's brains. Like, man, when I get this, it makes sense. Because what happens if we believe that, we fall into that, we stop living our lives in the present, and we start living them like, I should get to this point. If I get to this point, it's going to be fine. I should survive until I get to here. And what happens is you miss everything in between now and that point that God wants to do in your life to help you grow and mature as a disciple. That's what happens. You miss everything. So when you get to that point, you're actually less the person God wanted you to be or called you to be because he had a great plan for you that you were just sleepwalking through between the now moment and that there point. Does that make sense? So don't miss the now because the now is where grace is. God is, Jesus is the God of reality. He's the God of right now. He is the Logos. He is the divine reason of all things. He's, he's like the way, the truth, and life. And that works now, in the present. We can't say yes to God's grace tomorrow um, unless we say yes now. Because God, tomorrow will come. And God will come, right? But we have to say yes now. Now is where Jesus is. Now is where grace is. But it's hard to say yes now. Because now is our current emotional state, which sometimes is confusing. Sometimes it's cloudy. Sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're bitter. Sometimes we're frustrated. Sometimes it's scary. It's messy. Dark. Right? And now can be all those things. And it's really easy to be like, I should get beyond the now. And we kind of numb, escape, whatever, and just go on to the next thing. But actually, it is right there in that moment, in those moments of the confused, the scary, the dark, the messy, that the Father wants to be invited into. Because the truth of his love is it hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. I've changed. And when we acknowledge that, and that's just the Father, nothing makes sense right now. I just want to run from this opportunity, run from this situation. But I'm going to invite you in this moment because you love me perfectly right now. And I don't feel it, but I'm claiming it in Jesus' name that you love me. And then just shut up and let me love you. Right? Like maybe, maybe that's 15 minutes in the chapel, you know, on your way to class. Maybe that's during your, your, your prayer time, right? Maybe that's an adoration. Whatever it is, like, let the Lord into the mess. Because what we do, our temptation is to kind of like hide the mess. Be like, here I am, Jesus, all spotless and clean. He's like, I can't help you. Unless you are sick, I can't help you. Like, you don't need me if you're clean and spotless and perfect. Like, I, like I'm the one that does that together, to, to be rather than to appear. Jesus actually makes us a Christian. When we do it on our own, we just appear to be doesn't work. So, the fact that this is the reality that's, that's kind of blown my mind the more I discovered it. 
But the fact is that all of our striving and working will not transform our heart. Now, it's not bad, but it will not ultimately transform our heart. Our striving, our working, piracy, all of these will not. What will transform our heart is the love of the Father. The love of the Father is what transforms our heart. Because God did not make us to be slaves. Right, brothers and sisters? He didn't make us tell us what to do. He said, hey, yo, this is what you got to do. Community, disciples, mission, got it, go accomplish. He, he actually made us to be in relationship with him. He revealed himself not as taskmaster, not as do the plan, but as father. It's very intentional. It's easy. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He reveals up to you as father. And he wants to, he wants to show you what that means. So our striving, our working life from our heart, only the love of the father transforms our heart. And how that happens is when we're in our dark moments, maybe we just send. Like, what did Adam and Eve do when they sent? Was it ahead? Right? Yeah. How do you send? They hide. We do the same thing. Could we fall short in the area? Maybe you're we're like, we're loving such sinfulness. Like, I'm having an argument with this person. I'm really pissed. I'm angry. I'm off sending. We just kind of like, alright, God, I'll pray later. I can't, I can't bother, be bothered right now. Life's too messy. But if we go to prayer and say, God, um, I did that. And I don't want to do that. But I know you love me no matter what. And I just claim that in my life right now. See what happens. If you continually go to the Lord each day, with our mess, with the chaos, with the ways we fall short. And actually what we find is those precise moments of failure are like trampolines towards freedom and grace. Because the Father can't, like, that's why Jesus can't love you if you're not sick, because he has nothing to tell you. The Father has nothing to tell you if you're perfect. Besides like, yeah, you're not. Um, he's, he's not condemning, you know, so he won't say that to you. But if we come into line with the truth that we don't have it all together, and we tell him that, he's like, good. Now we can begin. Now I can tell you how much I love you. Now my love can transform you. And now we can actually start moving. And now you can be a good Christian. And that's just appear to be a good Christian because you're in a relationship with God. So this year, uh, we have a chance to take a step forward and start to know who the Father actually is and what he says about us. And that's really what this whole experiment is about. It's all about the Father. Actually, all Christianity is about the Father. It's about knowing the Father. The Son can reveal the Father. Um, to us, right, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actually is the love between the Father and the Son. So the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father poured into our hearts, right? And you are all in the Son, theologically. That you are in the Son. You are Jesus, right? That Jesus dwells inside of you, amen? amen? All of you. And Jesus is presenting himself to the Father in perfect love. And when we tap into that, we realize we are sons, we are daughters, and we are loved completely by the same Father. In the same way that the Father looked upon Jesus, he looks upon us now in that kind of favor, in that kind of love. But the noise, the craziness, the chaos, our sinfulness can stop us from going to the Father. But it doesn't have to. It can actually be the, the trampoline that takes us to the love of the Father. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, you guys know what jiu-jitsu is? Yeah. Like, jiu-jitsu is actually hard, but I've never done it. But jiu-jitsu is like, yeah, you this. You like, take the person's momentum coming at you and like, turn it against themselves. So like, someone comes at you and you like, flip them on their head as they like, run past you, kind of thing, right? So that's what, we, that's what I'm kind of talking about here. It's like the moments of sin, moments of shame, darkness, fear. If instead of like letting those like steamrolls and punch us in the face, we can actually be like, yeah, you know what? I don't have it all together. Bam! And then right to the Father, and then he's like, evil has no answer. He's like, dang, all I want to do is cut them off from the love of the Father, and now actually the sin in their life is taking them to the Father. Yeah, right? See that? That's how it works. And like that failure that you're like tempted to shame and like run from, actually that takes you to the Father. Like, God, I feel a ton of shame, and I know you love me. Speak into this now. Right? And there is no the evil one has no answer to that. 
So, what are we doing this year? Um, we're digging into this Father, this God who is not a demanding God, he's not a frustrated God, he's not a disappointed God. He's a Father who's proud of you, who loves you, he's given everything for you, that you might know this love and live in it and be transformed by it. That you would be transformed by the image of his Son, here and now, like even beginning now, in this moment, and throughout this year, the rest of your life. That's what, that's what we're doing this year. We have a course that will kind of go through this first semester. Um, it's called The Greatest Commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. That's, that's what we're going through. It's going to be great. Um, again, so what does this look like for you guys? Um, I think the easy one, the first part, is it's, it's your attitude that we just talked about. Uh, I give some thoughts here. Hopefully this stuff starts to sink in. Um, things to pray about, things to dig into, things to kind of call each other on about. A bit more concrete. It looks like actually committing to being together every other week and showing up to formation. There's going to be a new one every other week. In the, yeah, brand new renovated Newman Center. So it's sweet. I ran the little activity center, like the used to be part of the chapel, but it's not anymore. Um, I don't know what it's called. Social Hall. Social Hall. Thank you. Yeah, activity center. We do a free preschool. So it's just like actually committing to show up. So the attitude I kind of gave myself with commitments like this in my life is I always tell myself, if I'm in town, I'm there. I think it's a good bar to set. If you're in town, you're there. The same way, like, yeah. So I challenge you guys for that. Because like, there's, there's a power in showing up. There's a power in saying yes to being together, to gather together, saying yes, God, I believe you have something to do this year, do this commitment. Second thing is show up to your small group. I, I challenge you at the same bar. If I'm in town, I'm there. You know? And the small group is where you actually start to get real, start to share about your life in a more real way. And it's cool because when guys start living the light, like their whole life starts changing in gals, guys generally. When people start living the light, you, you see their life start to change. Because what that means is that like, if the God of the universe says he loves me no matter what, and actually I don't actually quite care what you think of me if I share this. And that's a free reality when you start doing that. And then once you realize, when you share it, you realize they never actually were judging you in the first place. That was just all in your head. And then you actually, when you speak it, you're speaking realities, and it's, it's incredibly free. Actually, yeah, my phone was on Monday. It was, a hard, it was like a hard 48 hours. I just kind of went in, I talked to them like I normally did, and it was incredibly powerful. Jam was there. Um, it was a good deal. It's, it's really, it's a huge skill to have in our life, to be totally honest and real with our brothers and with our sisters. God looks powerful in that. So that's what small group is. And also small group, we wrestling with the content and going through there. You have your, your mentors, who you are meeting up with probably four to five times a semester, right? Men and women who said yes, to, to get to know you, to walk with you, ask questions, um, utilize them. Like, if you're working through, tell them what you're working on. Working through, if you're trying to start a daily prayer life, tell them that. Say, hey, do you have any tips for me? Um, if you're like struggling in the area, say, like, hey, uh, this is not going school right now. Do you, have any, do you have any experience in this area? The answer is yes, they all experience this area, they're human. Um, like, hey, how did you approach household? Hey, how do I do this better? Hey, what is the mission of like those students? I'm like really struggling here. That's what you take to your mentor. All these hard questions, all these things about your life, and no kind of questions aren't for you too. So if you don't have anything, don't like avoid them. They don't have questions for you. Just show up. When they text you, text them back right away. Um, it's a funny thing to say, but unfortunately I had a few times last year where like people would get ghosted for like a month. Just text them back. Uh, we're not a creep, but here in the back right now, the great individuals just met them. They're all very good and holy and whatever. So, text them back. Um, what else is going to be in formation? It's like actually seeking to pray. Have a prayer life, establish a prayer life. 
Um, what does it mean to actually take time every day to be with the Lord, to sit well with the Father, and allow Him to love you? Uh, it looks like um, committing sacraments, right, and having those be part of normal life. It looks like being on mission. Like, what does it mean to have a mission incorporated in my life? It looks like coming out of a formation retreat and being a part of this football program. So that's that's kind of what we're doing. Does that make sense? And it's, it's uh, trust the process. I guess that's kind of the last word here. Like, this has been happening for years, like Mitch said. We actually were in this room 10 years ago. And then actually, the first picture of Antioch hanging up um, above the dinner table was taken right there. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and actually, a couple of people here are first, first gen CNN people. Where are they yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Allison. Yes, yeah. Allison Haley, first generation Santa people. So, you have men and women here who've been here before, and God works. If he doesn't work, you're not hungry. He doesn't work if you don't show up and say yes. So, that's the challenge. That's what the course this year. Guys, amazing things that we got to want and we got to go all in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so, here's you seven your groups. I got one question for you. Uh, it's Are you in? Are you in? Are the letters, are you in? Are you in? I'm not wrong. <laughs>